Well, greetings, everyone. Appreciate all those that will join us tonight. We'll wait just a moment, and we will. Uh, Jr. says, "Getting, getting my mind ready to receive." Well, that's, that's great, good. Jr. Good to see you. And so, and uh, Jason, great to have you with us tonight, and great to yes, have sir. Mackenzie with us tonight. Of course, Josh is always in the background. One of these days, we're going to get him around. We're going to get Josh around here and get his uh, scholarly mind engaged. That's right. But a thank you for being here tonight. Why don't we begin with just a moment of worship, and then Jason's going to lead us in a few prayers here this evening, and then we're going to get into John chapter 2. Yeah, there's a, a good one. lot in there, isn't mm -hmm. there? you got marriages, and he's turning over tables, and he's turning water into wine, and so he's doing a lot there, and uh, he's revealing his glory, and that's what we want to, be, to happen. We want Jesus to be seen. And uh, so we're glad to have you with us tonight. Brandon Sutton, good to have you with us tonight. We miss you. Yes. Hope you're good in, I think you're in Virginia Beach. Is that is that correct? Did I get that right, Brandon? You may post that. But, uh, but we're, we're praying. Father, we worship you. We lift up the name of Jesus. Lord, you said, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. You, and so, Lord, we use our breath to praise you and lift up the name of Jesus, our Lord. I thank you, Lord, that we could meet in this venue. And, Lord, tonight we ask that the Holy Spirit would be our teacher and our guide. We ask that you bless all that we do, O Lord, our God. We ask you to meet needs. We ask you to release miracles. And we thank you for this in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Brother Jason, would you lead us in, um, in some prayers? Yes. Thank you, Jesus. <coughs> Pardon me. Swallow wrong. Father, we thank you tonight for who you are, Lord. We thank you for your presence in each and every home that's represented. Father, I thank you that your grace is sufficient for us. I thank you, Father, that in every, every place that we go, Lord, you are there with us. You walk with us through the high places and the low places and the level places. You're right there with us, Father. And I thank you for that, Lord. Tonight we want to lift up uh, some prayer needs over physical needs. So, Lord, we lift up Brother John Singleton tonight, Father. I thank you for who he is, Lord, in your kingdom. I thank you, Lord, that you love him so much, Father. I thank you for his family, Lord, and, and who they are in our church, Father. Father, I thank you that you are continuing a healing in his body, Lord, that you are restoring, uh, Father, what has been taken from him, Lord. I thank you that you are cleansing his body, Lord, in Jesus' name, from every sickness and every disease, Lord. And I thank you that you are walking right there with him, Father. You haven't left him and you haven't abandoned him, Father, but you're right there with him, leading him through this, Father. And I thank you that you just continue your work within him, Lord. Give peace to the family, Lord, I pray. Father, that you would supply every need that they have, Father, every need in abundance, Father, in Jesus' name, Lord. I thank you that a great testimony is going to come out of this, this healing and this recovery, Father, in Jesus' name. Father, tonight, Lord, we lift up Brother David Cowan and Joe. Father, I thank you uh, just for who they are in our church. I thank you for the impact that they've had throughout the years in our church and our congregation. I thank you, Lord, for their faithfulness to this body, Lord, and faithfulness to your kingdom, Father. And I, I pray that uh, the procedure David has this coming up this Friday, Lord, I pray that you would just lead and guide everything those doctors do, Father. Yes, Lord. I pray that they have hands that are led by your Holy Spirit, Father, to do what they need to do. I pray... Lord, that you give those doctors wisdom and understanding in what they, they need to see and what they need to do to, to help David. Father, I pray that you would just uh, give David and Joe peace in their hearts. 
Lord, let them be able to sleep well this week, Father, as they, they near this day of this procedure. Uh, Father, I just pray that your hand would be upon them, Lord, and that you would just lead them where they need to go by your Holy Spirit, Father, and comfort them in this time. Yes. And Father, I just want to lift up anybody else that's, that's struggling in body. Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you would begin to just raise up great faith, just like you're doing in me, Lord. Raise up great faith to know that you are with us, Father, through our, our trials and our struggles and our sickness, that you have paid the price for our sicknesses and our infirmities, Father. Those were at the cross of Jesus that was uh, took care of our sicknesses and our diseases. And so, Father, we lay those things at your feet tonight, Lord, and we trust you that you're working in our bodies tonight, Lord, to heal us and to restore us, Lord. And and even through our hardest times, you're walking right through those things with us, Father, sustaining us in every way, Lord. I pray over our seniors at the church, Father. I pray that you bless them, Father. Lord, that you let them be a constant encouragement to the younger generations, Father, a constant, um, somebody that we could look to, Father, and see uh, your faithfulness in their lives, Father, and we can learn how to have faith like like a lot of our seniors have, Father. And I pray you bless them and keep them, Lord, and that you just uh, just keep them healthy during this time, Lord. Let that the, the, the ending of this COVID pandemic that's upon us right now, Lord, that it would just, they would just make it through, Father, till this thing is just gone and give them strength in their body, their mind, and their spirits, Lord, in Jesus' name, Father. And I just thank you, Lord, for just just raising up this church, raising up young people, raising up the youth uh, to be uh, prayer warriors, Father, to be hungry for your kingdom, to be hungry for more of the Holy Spirit, to to never give up leaning forward into your presence, Father, to to never give up pushing further into your gospel, into your truths, Father. I just pray, Lord, that uh, you would just release a spirit of truth upon your church, Father, that when we, we read your word, Father, and when we worship before you and when we hear the, the messages that are preached from, from our pastor, Lord, that we would take those things in as truth and life and fact uh, over any any uh, doubts, any over any unbelief, Father, that those things would just be solved by the truth of the word. Father, just grow us in your word. Grow us in your truth, Father. Let us have great faith in this church. Lord, let Trinity Life Church just be known as a church of great faith, Father, and and that we would see miracles, that we would see signs and wonders, but we would know those things as a result of knowing you, Father, as our good Father, and as our just Father, and as our righteous Father. So, Lord, we thank you for those things. Uh, And, Lord, I just pray you bless the time that we have here tonight together. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen. Jason, I want to pray for you. Won't you join my hands? Let's just join hands. I know Jason's had some health issues and some health concerns, and the Lord's, the Lord's moving. And uh, I, I thought about this verse. Ask, and it will be given to you. Yeah. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. That literally means the construction of that is ask, keep asking. Not keep knocking, seek, keep seeking, not mm. keep knocking. And so, yeah. Lord, we lift Thank up Jason's Jesus. health tonight. Thank you, Thank you that his health is going to spring forth. Thank you, Jesus. I pray that you would surround him with your protection, that you would fill his body with your healing presence, Lord. And, and all tonight, as, as Jason has led us in prayer, that all may experience your healing presence. And we, we, we also pray for a spirit of renewal in this church, a spirit of revival, Lord, a spirit of prayer, a spirit of grace that makes us so hungry and so thirsty for you. Nothing 
can compare to Jesus. Yes, Father. Let that pursuit be our greatest pursuit. Yes. And so we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Open our hearts to your mercy, your grace, and love. Thank and we ask it in thank Jesus' you. name. Amen. Thank you. And amen. Thank you. All right. Well, Jason, thank you for your prayers. And uh, tonight we're gonna we're gonna jump right in this this evening. If you have a Bible, we're going to John chapter two. Make some introductory comments here, and then uh, we'll get into this. Josh will have these scriptures on the screen for us, which is a, a wonderful blessing. One of the greatest things that could happen in a person's life is for them to develop a love for the Word of God. Yeah. Yes. I think back over my life and the people that I've met, the great people I've met, the great people of the Lord. And I can honestly say I've never met one person that was a great person of God that wasn't a person of the Word of God and of prayer. Yeah. But they loved the Word of God. I've known people that read the Word of God through three or four or five times a year and did it for year after year after year. Yeah. I mean, I know one man, um, he would read, he's read the Bible through 200 times. Wow. And uh, he's actually an old ministry. He actually started Channel 38 in Chicago. It was a, one of the first Christian television stations. Wow. And uh, he was just a man. He's an old Kansas boy, but he just fell in love with the Word of God. And, and his sermons would just be full of the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And uh, he did great things. I think I actually think he's, I mean, he's got to be close to 100. I think he's still alive. Wow. I think wow. him and his son, uh, pastor of church in Springfield, Missouri, and yeah, but but a love for the Word of God, and I think that we know, and I and everyone here uh, watching should know, the devil would do anything to get us out of the Word of God. Anything, yeah. I mean, he'll, he'll he'll do anything to take the Word of God out of our churches and out of our personal devotion times. But the greatest thing that I think could happen in a person's life, or for them to develop a, a systematic reading of the Word a sense of uh, just letting the Word of God be a part of their life. Because mm-hmm. to me, the Word of God is like fuel. Yes. You know, you, you start reading, and then all of a sudden you want to pray. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, you'll start reading. It's like, it, mm-hmm. it's like it touches everything. You start reading, all of a sudden you want to tell somebody about Jesus. Yes. You start reading, and you go, hey, I'm believing for miracles. So you start reading, God answers prayer. Um, you start reading and you're like, I, I want to be closer to God. I want to be a holy person, you know, yeah. a godly person. So the Word of God is that is that power yeah. in, in our lives. And, it, and I'm reminded often of one, 1 John 2, 12, I think it is. It says the, the young men were strong and the Word of God was in them. Mm-hmm. So we need the Word of God in us. Yeah. So tonight we are in John chapter 2. Now, Dr. Thompson has developed, it was early on in the 1900s, early 1900s. He, I think he was a Methodist minister, actually, but um, he came up with these portraits of Christ, 21 portraits of Christ. You know, there's 21 chapters in the Gospel of John, hmm. and he came up with 21 portraits. And each, he, he, saw, he saw in each chapter, well, I would say it this way, he saw correctly. In each chapter, there was a theme of Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Son of God. And uh, so the first chapter we looked at was Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus is God. We see him revealing his glory. We see him, him you know, full of grace and truth, etc. Well, here in the second chapter, there's, there's another theme. What is the theme, McKenzie? The Son of Man. The Son of Man. So what is, what is Jesus? Now, we're looking at chapter 2, John, St. John, chapter 2. It's the fourth gospel, but really it's just 
one voice of the four, because how many Gospels are there? One. There's just one Gospel. And it's the fourfold Gospel. And so in chapter 2, you said he is the what? He is the, the, son, of the son of man. So what does that mean, the Son of man? I mean, I think it reveals Jesus in his humanity. Yeah. That it was his mission. He was the, the Son of God who came for man. So we're going to see Jesus do some very human things tonight. Mm-hmm. One of the things we're going to see is he's going to attend a wedding. Now, he's going to do a miracle at the wedding. And later in this chapter, he is going to reveal really an action of, of, of God. And we're going to see God's fierce anger as he, as he cleanses the temple. Now, we believe that he did this twice. Some say it was once, but I think it was twice. I think he did this at the beginning of his ministry, and he did it at the end of his, of his ministry. So, But we see Jesus as the Son of Man tonight. And that term, the Son of Man, is used how many times in the Scripture approximately? That's a great question. Um, Remember, I told you. Yeah, well, I, I, I was going to wait, but I have it written down because I studied it too because okay. I, I noticed that it was a favorite term Jesus? that Jesus used for okay. himself. Yeah, it was a favorite. More so than the yeah. disciples. It was a favorite self-designation mm-hmm. of Jesus. You know, the Son of Man's going to do this. The Son of Man. The Son of Man will go as it's been said, etc., mm-hmm. etc. So how many times is this used in they the Scripture? They say over 80 times. Yeah, mm-hmm. over 80 times. In the Gospels alone. You know, if it was used it's once, it's, it's Scripture, but eight, over 80 times. So we see that Jesus is God, Emmanuel, mm-hmm. in the flesh. Mm-hmm. Now, this yeah, is very important good. because truly you cannot be saved unless you believe that Jesus is God and man. You know, if, you, if we don't believe that he is God, then no one but God could save. We believe he is the God-man. Mm-hmm. And it's very unique. And you look at the birth story and you look at all of the, the way that he came into the world. It's just uh, absolutely, absolutely amazing. And so we're going to look at this tonight. Now, as we look at this, let's go ahead and turn. <coughs> and we also have some stuff about wine in here. <coughs> Pardon me very much. Oh, I've got a tickle in my throat. Um, so we have a, some about wine here, and and every 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 drinker loves this chapter. Uh, every drinker, you know, hey, you know, Jesus turned the water into wine. See, hey, I can drink my whiskey, and uh, or even the the one in Timothy where it says that a little uh, use wine. a little wine for your stomach's <laughs> stomach, sake. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, and so my it was it was used for yeah my, yeah my stomach hurts. Ask me a Budweiser. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, in oh, fact, we got Josh in fact, laughing on that one. <laughs> in fact, I really have some stomach issues. Give me, two, give me a Miller too, please. Yeah. But uh, well, the truth is, we're going to get into this mm-hmm. and and look at some things. Uh, you know, that's the kind of the thing. But there's really more. We're missing the point. Yeah, we're when missing we, the we point. If, if, our, if we're yeah. stuck on that, well, well, I'll say some things about that and give you some thoughts broadly from Scripture because that's very important. Uh-huh. We're going to look at all the Word of God. Right. Okay, not just this passage here. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to infuse uh, or impose, that is, our human, you know, our human preconceived ideas. Right. And we all have those to some level. Mm-hmm. But we seek to, to let the Word of God speak to us. And uh, I, one thing I would say before we get there, and it'll be a while before we get there, uh, one of the things I would say is th- there's a lot of problem with that in our nation. A lot of abuse, a lot of things that wreck people's lives, and you know, uh, we know someone that wrecked their lives that way and, and died mm-hmm. because they ruined their body, 
and that just uh, broke my heart and still still breaks my heart. So yes. there needs to be some some warnings here as well as uh, as well as some um, you know just some prohibitions there. But anyway, so uh, why don't we do this? Let's let's do this. Let's we'll do a little different tonight. We'll read down through this. And then what we'll do is we'll, we'll walk back through it and, and pick some things out. And I'm going to say to us that are you that are joining us, I'm sure your heart's open and your Bible's open, that uh, we, I don't have a set agenda here. We may move along here. We may get on a verse of Scripture that the Holy Spirit kind of says, you know, indicates that we need to stay upon. And if that's the case, that's fine. If we go through this more quickly, that's fine too. I don't have a set agenda here that we're trying to, you know, trying to fill. But um, we just ask the Lord to bless mm-hmm. the Word of God. We start in John chapter 2, verse 1. Now, on the third day, and we'll come back to that. What third day is that? On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when the wine ran out, and when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. A very wise counsel. Mm -hmm. Whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. And we're talking about... I mean, upwards of what, 30, you know, 150, 180 gallons of of water there for ceremonial cleansing. And Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. I love that. Mm-hmm. They didn't, they didn't like, uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, they didn't, no, I just, you know, he said, fill it up. I'm just going to fill it up three quarters, you know. And he, they just, they, they fully went all the way and obeyed him. Yep. And he said to them, Draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. The master of the feast was like the MC or the one that oversaw the festivities. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, he did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew. And the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Every man from the beginning sets out good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, and he kept... You have kept the good wine until now. See, the Lord operates different than we operate. See, that's the way they did it, but his mm-hmm. kingdom principles are different. Upside down in a way. <laughs> in, in a sense, yeah, uh, the worlds are upside down. Right. Ours are right side up. That's Come true. on, get it right, Mackenzie. <laughs> so, we're, and, and let me stop and say this. Notice, notice he operated opposite of the tradition, the culture, etc., because the kingdom of God is based upon different principles, and we are a part of the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. We are to be living for God and living out those kingdom principles because, and I, I say this, and it, I seem like it's not getting through to people, we are not of this world anymore. Yeah. I was walking my dog this afternoon, and I walked down this street and down this hill, and it's like it's real pretty down through there. And I just was looking down through there, look at all the houses, mm-hmm. And I just said to myself, I am not part of this world anymore. My name is in heaven. Our names are in heaven if we know Jesus. And we're not going to be here that long. So what we do, we've got to do now. But notice here, it says, you've kept the the good wine until now. This is the beginning of the signs that Jesus did in Cana of Galilee. 
And he manifested his glory. That word glory is doxa. Now, the way I remember that Greek word is I think of a boat dock. Doxa. <laughs> and that is the outraying of God's presence and his nature. Mm-hmm. And, and his disciples believed in him. Now, let me say this. There's different words for believe. You know, there's, there's uh, and so well, I won't get there. But verse 12, after, after this, he went down to Capernaum, that would later be his headquarters, and he and his mother and his brothers and his disciples, and they did not stay there many days. Okay, and we'll read the rest of that in, when we get to it in a minute. Now, let's look at this. First of all, we have the third day. The third day from, from what? You know, there's just a little bit of debate on this. Hmm. Well, I think, I know it was, it would have been one day after the calling of Philip, Philip because that was the last okay. indication of, the, of days ver- that we had, Yeah, right? read verse 43. Uh, it says, the following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Okay, so they're going to go to Galilee. Mm-hmm. So is it is it three days from verse forty three, or is it three days? Is it, th- it he got to Galilee, and then three more days? So I don't know which, and mm-hmm. it's not a deal changer. I mean, it's just it's it's historical, you know, time frame. But he's given some markers here, and uh, and and there's some stuff I, I don't have time to get into. Some of the things of you know the, the days of creation versus versus these days here. But do you think the third day there was this, some significance there as far it, as him revealing his glory on the third day? I think so. I mean, I think this Saint John seems to be put together that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. John seems to to put you know There's you got a lot the, there. the yeah. you you have the the the, the miracles. Mm-hmm. You know, you have the I am statements. You have mm-hmm. the bread, and and so. I think there probably is something there. I wouldn't. I wouldn't press it. Yeah, uh, it's not a, a a huge issue, but it was on the third day, so it's probably either three days after this conversation, or maybe just simply, as one scholar said, three days after he got to Galilee, he gets mm-hmm. to. It says on the third day he, there was a wedding in the Cana of Galilee. So you know that seems to be kind of the more natural reading there. Mm-hmm. Now notice this: that both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. What do you think about marriage today? What do you think the health of marriage is in our own American culture? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not very healthy mm-hmm. from what I've seen and experienced. Why do you, why do you think that is? Um, well, I, I think a lot of people really just don't take marriage seriously as it should be taken. Um, and they, they do it. Uh, mar- some marriages are done very quickly. Uh, without mm-hmm. really getting to know somebody, some of them are done with without the intent of holding those vows. You know, it's just like, yes. oh, if it doesn't work out, we'll just get a divorce. You know, yeah. right? But um, you well, know, that hurts kids, doesn't it? Oh, totally. Yeah, the family, the nuclear family, has been yeah. just almost devastated in some ways. Yeah, and you know, I think a lot of it does center around not having God as as the center of your marriage. Yeah, um, and notice what they did here. They invited Jesus to the wedding. Now, wouldn't it be? A much better homes, much better uh, marriage is much better. You know, I was sharing with with uh, Jason and Mackenzie before we started. I've done many, many weddings. In fact, I taught. I met a gentleman yesterday, an Indian pastor, or I met with an Indian pastor. I, but years ago, he came to me. This has been years ago. He came to me. He said, Pastor Charles, he called me. I need to meet with you. And I said, uh, What uh, What can I do for you? He said, I have a wedding that someone's asked me to perform, 
And he said, I'd never performed a wedding. I don't know how to do a wedding. So in the old building, I took him in the sanctuary, and I printed everything off and sent it to him. And I said, come on now. We're going to walk through this. You went into 422? And yeah, and, and I, yeah. And I walked through the entire wedding, just him and I in the sanctuary. This is what needs to happen here. This is what you do here and here. And, and yesterday, I met with him for some, something else. And he was telling me, he said, you know, I never thanked you. He said, not only did I do that wedding, did I perform that wedding, he said, and it went really great. He said, then when somebody saw me do that, they asked me to do other weddings. I said, I've done some other weddings since then. <laughs> so uh, I lit a fire under him for weddings. But nice. uh, what I said to, to Jason and Mackenzie is, of all the weddings that I've done, and, and this is referring to the text that they, they invited Jesus to the wedding, mm-hmm. I would say half of those weddings really didn't have a lot to do with God. And what I mean by that is, I'm not saying God wasn't mentioned, they didn't seem very spiritual to me. You know, and then in a third of those, probably I felt like it was spiritual. And, you know, some of those I actually felt like I didn't, wasn't even, I was in the way. Like, okay, you know, we need you, preacher, to get married, you know, yeah. by state law. And, you know, because we, we need you here. But I didn't, I didn't feel like God was really the central focus of everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of those marriages have made it. Some of those marriages have, have not made it. And, uh, and, and, and I would say a small portion of those weddings that I performed were deeply spiritual, very, very or spiritual, and a smaller portion were deeply, deeply spiritual, where you could yeah. feel God, you could feel the anointing, you could sense this couple is pure before God, they love God, they want to serve God, and those, are, those weddings were the ones that were a joy to me. Because I and those weddings, those marriages are all doing good. Every uh, yeah. all of the marriages that were very deeply spiritual are are all, are all very solid and and doing wonderful. So what we have here is a practical point. Jesus and his disciples were invited into the wedding. To the wedding, I want to invite him into the weddings. I want to. We want to invite him into our everyday lives. And here's Jesus accepting that invitation. What will he do if we invite him into our relationships? What will he do if we invite him? I'll tell you, he'll turn the water into wine. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He'll transform it. Yeah. He'll meet needs. Mm-hmm. So, so he was, they were invited to the wedding. And then it says, all right, here we go with the wine stuff. Here we go. <laughs> okay, so uh, when the wine, uh, when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Now, notice in John's gospel, he doesn't mention Mary by name. Mm-hmm. He says, the mother of Jesus. And I think the reason is, is there is a part of Christendom that makes Mary more exalted than she is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, she certainly was a godly chosen woman to do something that no other woman had ever been chosen or will be chosen to do again. But yet, she was just a woman. She was just a woman. She was just a human being. Uh, there is a doctrine where the, the uh, called let me think the, called the uh, immaculate conception, which means that my understanding is that they believe that Mary is perpetually a virgin. Well, I have a problem with that because you look at verse twelve here and it says, brothers. after that he went down to Capernaum. <laughs> he, his mother, his brothers, and we know that Jesus also had sisters. So I, I doesn't jive. That doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't <laughs> yeah. work. You're 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 making stuff up. Yeah. And, and then there is a part of Christendom that says that, that teaches that Mary is basically a co-redemptist with Jesus, and she'll answer our prayers, and that is just not true. Now, that's in no way to dishonor Mary. Yeah. 
I'm not wanting to dishonor Mary, but I'm not wanting to exalt her. She's a human being like every other human being and was a sinner and needed to be saved. Yeah. Well, and if you notice, if if you do pray to her, her last words here, yeah. they recorded in Scripture are, do whatever he tells you to do. So that's right. she's going to say, go to him. Go to him. That's <laughs> yeah. right. Well, that's yeah. where we go. We pray in the name of Jesus. Now, um, notice this here. They, they, they ran out of wine. The wine was gone. Now, we're going to get into a little bit, was this alcoholic? Was it not alcoholic? What, is the, what happened in the first century? What were some of the historical things that they did? We want to be able to get into that a lot. But we're all, I want to look at some Old Testament scriptures and bring it all together and just at least give you some thoughts, some, some, you know, more than, than, than yes, it's alcoholic or no, it's not alcoholic. You know, kind of let's do some thinking tonight and let's look at all the Word of God. And you have to come up with your own conclusion. Uh, but I want to look at all the scripture. But but what what we need to see is the social aspect of this. I would say this was a poor family. Uh, they didn't have an abundance of, of things. You know, Cana was a very small town. Cana was about fifteen miles, twenty miles or so west of the Sea of Galilee, and it was about six or seven miles north of Nazareth. Mm-hmm. This Cana, the city of Cana of Galilee, was the home of Nathaniel. Now, Nathaniel, they just spoke to Nathaniel. Here's a man, indeed, an Israelite, and indeed there's no guile in him. You know, and he, he, he uh, says, you know, to see the Son of Man ascending and descending, or on, uh, angels descending and ascending on the Son of Man. So this is his town, and Mary's very much a part of this. So, so is, is this someone in Jesus' family? Is this a relative? Is this a relative of Mary? Is this a close friend? I mean, she's deeply involved in this, mm-hmm. in the she social. She knew they ran out. Yeah, so. she knew they ran out. She's, she's a part of this. And so they have no wine. Now, my understanding is that to one, run out of wine was a big deal. The, the social aspect of this would have been incredibly embarrassing mm-hmm. for a family of that day. In fact, uh, some in that day said, it would have been worse to run out of wine than to run out of food. Hmm. So this was there's a cultural thing here. Jewish that, hospitality, yeah, the, they do. That's correct. Mm-hmm. The Jewish hospitality here is very important, and so I think we get some of that. And here they are in in, in a wedding. You know, we do a wedding in an afternoon, and we go home. I mean, we do the wedding and the whole thing, and eat, and you know everything, and we're gone home. This wedding would last a week. A week. Wow. Yeah, long time. A week-long wedding. I mean, you got cousins, aunts, uncles, relatives, friends, people you like and Go don't home. like, and they're all hanging out, and they're like, hey, there's free food. That's true. <laughs> there's free wine. Uh, or right, we talk about how staying. expensive that probably was? Oh, yeah. And think this is a young this is a family that's probably limited income, and they're trying to do their best. Uh, Jesus was poor. He was from a poor family. I think he associated with the poor. I think mm-hmm. he was with the common people. Yeah. And so they run out of wine. This is a big deal. This is a big social deal. So, so what, what, what do we do? What do we do when we have problems? What are some of the things we, we do that we shouldn't do when we have issues in our lives and our families? What do we do? We scheme. Worry. We worry. Okay. Yeah, anxiety. We have anxiety, stress, worry. You make too quick of a decision, rash decisions. Mm-hmm. Try to figure it out on your own. Yeah. Try to do it yourself. What's the word? Analyzing and trying yeah. to come up with a solution on your own. Get your little committee together. Panic. Yep. Pan- yeah. yeah, there we go. <laughs> panic. I think there's a little, a little panic. subtle panic here. <laughs> yeah. You know, hey, they have no wine. We're, yeah. we're four days into this. There's no wine. 
Mm-hmm. So, but notice that she said that uh, she went to Jesus. May we go to Jesus with every need. Mm-hmm. May we go to Jesus with every prayer. You know, Jesus, what, is the, what did Paul say through the Spirit? Don't worry about anything, but in everything with prayer and mm-hmm. supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known, be made known to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Take every need to Him. And this is what she did. She did what we need to do. Yeah. We need to go to Jesus. They have no wine. Now, notice this. Read, read verse 4, Brother Jason, and notice, notice how he addresses her. It says, uh, <laughs> And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Woman. I think I may start talking to Missy like that. Woman? Bad Let's idea. Not do that. Woman, but I'm going to do it from the next room. <laughs> I'm going to do it from my, in my car on the cell phone. Woman? Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, There's a little bit of a translation. <laughs> yeah, woman, what does this, what does, this says, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. You know, I think, uh, I, I, you know, I, I've had people, I, I, what is it? I've read people that try to, try to soften this. Hmm. Okay, I think it is what it is. I think there's a subtle rebuke here. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is the son of man, but he is also God. Yeah. And I think by virtue that my hour has not yet come, but you know he's saying, kingdom, my Father's will, and kingdom purposes are the things that matter to me. Right? Why are you involving me in this? Why, woman? What does your concern have to me? You're concerned with this, but my concern is my Father's will. Now we, you say, well, do do you do you have other verses? For that, well, remember when he rebuked Peter? I was going to say it was softer than Peter's rebuke. Yeah, that's much softer. Uh, You know, he's trying to say, "Jesus, you're not going to go to the cross." And then he says to him, uh, "You're an offense to me." Now, notice this: you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. Mm. So, when it came to the will of God the Father, Jesus was. I mean, almost militant about it. I mean, yeah, yeah. maybe not militant, determined. Mm-hmm. He will lay down his life. That's how determined. The hour, that hour is the hour when he will die for the sins of the world. That's why he came. And nothing, not even his mother, will deter him from this. And, and, and he will not allow earthly relationships to dictate to him what the <clears throat> Father wants him to do. Right. Now, doesn't that correspond with if you don't love... If you don't love mm-hmm. the Lord more than father, mother, sister, yeah. brother, you know, even, you know, everything mm-hmm. with that, me, you know, remember that verse? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm paraphrasing, but so, and, and uh, so we have this here, you know, this thought, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And I, I think Jesus is, Jesus is not under her authority anymore. I mean, Jesus, I mean, sure there was a time, as a, as, but now he is coming as the Son of Man and the Son of God, God Emmanuel in the flesh. He is doing the Father's will, and he will only do what the Father tells him to do. Right. Now, what I think probably kind of happened here, Jesus might have prayed a quick prayer. Father, what do you want me to do here? Mm-hmm. Do you want me to just ignore this? Because Jesus didn't do everything people wanted him to do. Right. Now notice this. Please notice this, dear church family. What does your concern have to do with me? 
you know, people tag Jesus on everything. And I think Jesus is not in about 99% of it. You know, there's Jesus t-shirts, Jesus hats, Jesus business, Jesus insurance, Jesus tennis shoes, you know, Jesus hair dye, Jesus everything. We tag Jesus on everything. And Jesus said, I'm not a part of that. What does that have to do with me? Yeah, and think about it. I mean, think about it. He was a guest to this wedding. Can you yeah, imagine yes. going up to a guest and saying, hey, we ran out of this. Can you help? Yeah. <laughs> you know? So but. I think, um, you know, and there again, uh, he, she does. Look at verse 5. His, his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do. Hmm. The it is added in the King James. Whatever he says to you, do it. Do, do it. You know, that's the best counsel that we could have. Whatever the Lord says, that's what we need to do. And then, so it, it gives some background here. Verse 6, there were these water pots, six water pots of stone. These were ceremonial in nature. I mean, the Jews were a clean folks. Those folks were yeah. clean. Listen, they believed in cleanliness. Thank the Lord. Cleanse it, you know, cleanliness is next to godliness. And they washed Amen. and washed, and I mean, they were so serious about it. They were so steeped in these ceremonial cleansing, they even rebuked God. Mm-hmm. They rebuked Jesus. Listen, you got to be spiritual to rebuke Jesus, because they said, why is it that Jesus doesn't wash his hands before he eats? And then Jesus goes into a whole dissertation. It's not what, what enters a man, is what it's comes out of a man. Man's heart is already bad. He's got right. a fallen nature. He needs to be changed. And so, but notice here, these six water pots, there's about you know, 150, 180 gallons of, of, uh, that they're able to con- contain here. But notice this, that these are ceremonial. You know, religion can only do ceremony. It can't change the heart. Mm-hmm. Right. But Jesus can turn the water to wine. He can mm-hmm. give us the reality of transformation. He, yes. he can, you know, wine in the scripture is a type of joy. Mm-hmm. He can bring joy. You know, religion doesn't bring joy. Some of the saddest people in the world were those Pharisees and, and so Sadducees, you know, yeah. the Sadducees. But, but Jesus can really bring true joy. I heard uh, Brother J.R. say at prayer meeting last night, he said, he, taught, he compared, and you'll remember this, Brother J.R., you compared, you know, happiness to joy. You know, God didn't tell us to be happy, but he told us to be joyful. Mm -hmm. Because joy, you know, happiness is based on happenings and circumstances. But but joy is based on the unchanging fact of who God is. That's true. What he said and who he is and what he does. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And and you can have that joy in storm and trial and difficulty. You know, give thanks in all things. For this Mm -hmm. is the will of God concerning you. You know, in Christ Jesus. So, so here's what Jesus says in verse seven, uh, brother Jason. Read verse, read verse seven again. Jesus said to the servants, "Fill the jars with water," and they filled them up to the brim. So he gives them a command: fill it up with water. I mean, to get 180 gallons, let's say it's that. It take you a little work. while. Yeah. Okay. So, is any effort demanded in our Christianity? Or do we have this effortless Christianity? You don't have to pray. You don't have to, you know, we, you know, I, I know one pastor, his, his whole church was lost because they all got lazy. They like sitting home with bedhead and in their pajamas and, you know, worshiping the Lord. It's too inconvenient to get in a, you know, nice air-conditioned car and to drive to on nice roads we have in America and come to nice air-conditioned buildings. That's way too inconvenient for us. 
But I'll tell you, effort is demanded. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, you go through Scripture, dig those ditches, and I'll put the water in them. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, cast your net on the other side. Well, Lord, we fished all night. If you'll do it, you'll get the miracle. I'm telling it's you. Faith yeah. with action. Faith, uh, uh, godly, obedient action mm -hmm. is, a, is, a, is a manifestation of faith. Yeah. You know, we're building a building. You know, we're not just imagining a building. There's real bulldozers that dug dig. You know, there's real stuff happening. Uh, I, I sent, what did I do? Oh, I sent today, I sent the tax exempt, our, our church's state tax exempt form to the steel company. Because we're getting, you know, getting some stuff and, you know, this and trying to get good deals. And, you know, these are real things that are happening. These are physical yeah. things that are happening because we believe this is what God wants us to do. Now, notice this here. What if they had been a lot like a Christians today? Fill the water pots with water. Oh, well, let's pray about that. You know, instead of stepping in and yeah. acting and doing what he said. He said, fill the water pots with water. So you need to roll your sleeves up mm -hmm. and get busy. Can I tell you this? Serving God is a hassle to the, to the American life. Do you mean we have to bring our kids to church and we have to get them dressed and we have to get them <laughs> in there and we have to teach them the, the, the memory verse and, and, and we have to do all this stuff? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. We got we to get dirty and sweat to get it done for Jesus. You know, the Bible said whatever your hand finds to do, do it with what? All of your heart. Yeah. With all of your heart. And so they filled it up. And notice this. Jesus said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. That's, that's the MC. He's the master of ceremonies. And they took it. And when the, when the master of the feast had tasted the water, it was made wine. He did not know where it came from, but the servants had drawn new. You know, when we obey God, when we're a part of the process, sometimes we get special insights. Mm -hmm that others do not get. Mm. So, so because they were part of obeying God and part of hauling the water and, and, and mm -hmm. doing the hard work, then all of a sudden they got to see. They shared in the joy. They shared in the joy. They got to personally, close up, experience the miracle. And, and then the master of the feast called the bride and said, Hey, man, look at this here. Every man at the beginning sets out good wine, when the guests have well drunk, now we're going to comment on this. I got to get into some wine stuff. Then the inferior, they have kept the good wine until now. So, now, so um, this wine. Let's get into this. Let's get a little bit into this wine situation here. You know, some people say well drunk. So that means, you know, if we think in our natural, oh, well drunk. You know, could it just mean well satisfied? Their palate's been satisfied. They've already drunk. They, they're, they're well drunk. They've already drunk. Or, or does it mean like many say in the modern world, man, they well drunk. Man, they got a buzz on. They're, they're, they got a drunk on. They're they, well drunk. They can't tell the difference if they've got the skunky, the skunky beer or the good beer. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so let's, let's address this. Let me, let me give us some thoughts here that will maybe help us a little bit. So... Um, Two, two, one thing is this. One thing is the, the Greek word for wine in the, in the Bible, in the New Testament, doesn't distinguish, doesn't distinguish whether it's fermented wine or just grape juice, what's called sweet wine or new wine. It doesn't distinguish. So, so it, it may say wine, but it, you have to look at the context mm -hmm. to see if it mm -hmm. fits the context. Mm -hmm. So uh, now, so... It's, here's the little comment note, a little note I want to read here. Um, 
about whether it's fermented or unfermented. So if, if we believe that the wine that Jesus made here, and not just the wine, I mean, they'd already well drunk. So they had a whole bunch of wine before this. The wine's gone, and now Jesus is going to make a whole bunch more wine. <laughs> yeah. so, so we have to consider this. If this is fermented drink, I mean, I'm talking about fermented drink. If, if we want to compare apples to apples, let's say this, just theoretically. If we think this is comparable to a Budweiser, a Miller, Sigum 7, you know, wild turkey, whatever you say, Pastor, how do you know about all that <laughs> right? stuff? That's what I was saying. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I heard it from my brother Jason. <laughs> oh, no. So, I heard so it here's the okay, so so let's <laughs> okay, we're gonna go to some verses, but but here's here's what the Bible says. Now, let me look at this verse. I'm gonna go to, to a verse here, some verses, and I want you to just think about this. Think about the whole Bible. The whole Bible. So here's what the Old Testament says. I want you to listen very closely. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is a brawler. And whoever's led astray by it is not wise. Then it says in Proverbs 23, 31, Do not, do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly clearly talking about highly intoxicated drink verse uh, isaiah 511 isaiah 511 whoa wow and i'm whoa a woe in the bible is one of the strongest warnings whoa whoa to those who rise early in the morning that they follow intoxicating drink who continue uh, until night till the wine inflames them so these folks are just getting drunk now hosea 411 hosea 411 says this harlotry Wine and new wine enslaves the heart. Do you realize in Scripture, and you probably do, do you realize in Scripture that harlotry and immorality and, and drinking go together? Many times, you find, when you find immorality, you'll find drinking. And then, of course, Ephesians, do not be drunk with wine, where it's dissipation or excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So, so drunkenness is on the Holy Spirit infilling is on the opposite end of drunkenness. So if you're moving toward drink and drunkenness, you're moving away from Holy Ghost. So yeah. now let me read this. So let's just think, let's just consider and just, this is just thought. You, you, listen, you have to make up your own mind. Uh, but let's say the, the, the wine that Jesus, the water that he's turning to wine, let's just say for, for argument's sake, it's, it's intoxicating drink. So here's, here's some things you have to consider. Number one is this. Number one is if it's intoxicating drink, a number of guests at the wedding would likely be drunk already or nearly drunk. I mean, they'd already drunk. They said they're well drunk, so they're already drunk now. If that you know, if it's water, if it's wine, drinking you know, drunken or uh, fermented wine, they're 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 already drunk by the time that Jesus is asked to provide more. They're already drunk. They've been drinking for a long time, and now they need more wine. And Mary says, hey, give them some more. Since the guests had already drunk so freely that the host had run out of wine. Number one. Okay. See, Bama said amen. <laughs> number two, Mary, the mother of Jesus, would be showing regret that the intoxicating drink had run out and, and would be asking Jesus to pl- supply People who had already had too much to drink, more alcoholic drink. Number three, in order to respond to Jesus' mother's wishes, Jesus will be making 
at least another 120 to 180 gallons of intoxicating wine, more than enough to cause extreme drunkenness. We're talking about a lot of wine. Number four, Jesus would be making this intoxicating beverage as his very first miraculous sign, which revealed his glory, showing that he's the Son of God, the Redeemer of mankind. So if, it's, if it compares with the same kind of alcohol we have today, then these things at least have to be in, in the argument there. But I want to show you a verse of Scripture. Uh, look at uh, Isaiah 65, 8. Isaiah 65, verse 8. Now put this on the screen, Josh. Now li- listen, listen to what Pastor's saying here. Okay, so what we need to know, the same word for wine, most generally, the general word for wine, doesn't distinguish if it's, if it's fermented uh, or if it's just sweet wine or new, what's called new wine. Now I want to show you a verse of Scripture maybe you've never seen. Isaiah 65, verse 8. Thus says the Lord, as the new wine is found in the cluster. Notice that. As new wine is found. Where's the new wine found? Where is it? Where does it say here? In the cluster. It's found in the cluster. What's the cluster? Still on, on the, the vine, vine, right? Yeah, it's the grapes on the vine. So he, here's the grapes that are on the vine. Well, they're not fermented. They're on the vine. Right. They haven't even started fermenting. Where are they? They're on the vine. Mm-hmm. The clusters are right there. What does the Bible call those? New wine. It calls them new wine. They're wine. So you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The Bible differentiates in, in, in our English Bibles, you know, strong drink. And new, but notice it's on the vine. It says, now here's a comment. It says this, the juice of grapes was called wine. Was, it, was the juice of grapes being called wine why still in the cluster shows that all wine referred to was not necessarily fermented mm-hmm. or intoxicating. I have a whole deal here. So, you know, I tend to believe it was what the Old Testament says here. There's so much in the Old Testament. Now, first of all, drunkenness was a hard thing to the Jews. That was a terrible thing. So we know from even extra-biblical writings that even the, the, the wine, yeah, I mean, surely. I mean, it could ferment very quickly in that, in that, you know, that culture and that climate. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But they were, there is biblical lit- or literature outside the Bible that I have read that is very much that the Jews were very careful to dilute, 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 dilute. Now, therefore, I mean, you know, the, it was not an exact science. So, I mean, you know. But I think uh, we need to be very cautious in our culture today in our about drinking i don't think what we have today i mean i mean this stuff is manufactured today to give you a buzz it's manufactured to change your reaction to physically give you a chemical reaction from drinking and you think of duis you think of all the things that go along with drinking and so i think the wisest thing here's a here's a comment from the bible uh, uh, the believers bible commentary William McDonald uh, says this, and I think this is wise. It says, wine is sometimes prescribed for medicinal purposes, and this is entirely in accordance with the teaching of the New Testament. However, because of the terrible abuses which have come about in connection with the intemperate use of wine, most Christians will want to avoid it altogether. Anyone can become addicted to strong drink. 
the way to avert the dangers, to leave alcoholic beverages alone. Again, one must always consider the effect of his action on others. In our culture, it would be a bad testimony on the part of a Christian if an unsaved person should see him drinking wine, and for this reason, he should have stayed. Now, whether you believe it's fermented, not fermented, you know, here, here, there, and the other, I think the wisest thing, stay away from it. I mean, there's, yeah. there's men I, I read where Woodrow Wilson was, was abstinent, President Trump was abstinent. You know, he didn't drink. His brother drank himself to death, basically. So he said, I don't want anything mm-hmm. to do with that. George Bush was, ab- you know, these are, you know, these great men, you know, and, and, and great leaders uh, did wise thing. I think, uh, you know, as a, as, a, as a person of God, as a man of God, you know, in the Old Testament, the priests were not to drink anything. You know, that was a deal. And we have that deal in the story in, what is it, Leviticus 10 mm-hmm. of Nadab and a, is it? Abihu. Uh, Nadab and Abihu, is that right? Mm-hmm. I think that's the right names. So uh, I would stay away from it. But I, but, but just to say it was fermented and just to, you know, I, I think there's more to it than that. And that verse in Isaiah uh, talks about that. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, I think the wisest thing to do is just stay away from it. That's, that's my opinion. So whatever, whatever you come up with, you know, there is, you know, that's, that's your business. But I, I stay away from it and I, I don't need it. I don't think you guys have ever had... Any, you've been out drinking? No. Nope. Okay. We don't yeah, need just it. last night. Yeah, just <laughs> last night. Yeah, we don't need it. We don't need it. You know why? We have the joy of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. We don't need to be drunk with wine because we have, we're full of the Holy Spirit. I mean, yeah. why would we need that? We have the Spirit. Yeah. You know, we have the Well, and I think thing. if that's what you get out of the passage, you're missing the whole point. Right. <laughs> Yeah, Completely. we're not looking for a pass. We're looking, you know, we're yeah. just, you know. So. We're sidetracked uh, with the fermented or not. Yeah. Away from, it takes away from the miracle of turning water into wine. Right. Amazing. You know, right. Now, always, now, now think about it. God turns, God turns, uh, God makes wine every day. Every day. He's a creator. So he created vines mm-hmm. all over the world. There's all mm-hmm. over yeah. the world, there's vines, right? And he's creating them. Okay, they're on the vine, and through the through the growth process, those grapes are growing. But notice what Jesus did as Creator; He just sped up the process. Yeah. Instead of waiting for the growing season, like happens in our natural growing world in the agricultural world, here Jesus just turned water into wine. And there again, it's showing that He is the Son of God, the Son of Man, God Emmanuel in the flesh. And yeah. I think that's the, you know, that's the miracle. Yeah. There. And I always just thought it was so interesting for so long. I'm like, why was this the first miracle? You know, the other miracles are like yeah. restoration of health, casting out demons, you know, multiplying food. And this, I just see, I, I can understand a little bit more after studying it, that it really, Jesus was also revealing his grace. Yes. I mean, this wasn't necessarily a need. A very practical it was grace. A pra- yeah. Yeah, and then I'm thinking about it going back to chapter 1, where in John, I can't remember what verse, I didn't write it down, but it says, And of his fullness we have all received grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus. Yes. So he's revealing, in a way, this is why I came. I came to transform. You know, we could be represented as the the water pots under the law with no hope. But Jesus hard hearts. comes right. The well, stone hard pots, yeah, filled with ordinary thing with water, mm. you know. And it's like Jesus is saying, I, "I can take this, and in an instant, I can make you something that you can never mm. be on your own." That's good. Mm. So we can remain water pots under the law. You know, they were for ceremonial washing. They were right. they were used for the law, 
or we can give our lives to Jesus mm, and, and know he the can transform us. Wow, that's good. Know the transforming reality mm-hmm. of his personal yeah. presence. That's yeah. that's wonderful. What a wonderful comment, McKinsey. And uh, and so we have this this miracle of transformation. And I, I would just, as we move on through this, he says in verse 10, you've kept the good wine until now. He, he always does the best Better. last. Yeah, mm-hmm. this world is not our best. Yeah. This world is not the best life now. You know, I'm sorry. I, I, ha- I harp on that because I, it's, I know I'm, I'm probably being a little rude to the brother down there, but uh, it's just so silly to me. It's silly theologically what? that you would even come up with that. There's a whole book about it. Anyway, I don't want to get on that. I'm not in the... If I can just make one more so, comment before we okay. move on from yeah, the miracle. Sure. Is I also noticed not just the nature of the miracle that, you know, what he did, what he was trying to show that he was here to do, which is to give us grace, um, but also the location I thought was interesting that if we were in his shoes, you know, we would have chose mm-hmm. chosen Jerusalem, you yeah, know, like the yeah. hustle and bustle city, like, let's go out with a bang, let's even... You know, Mary, yeah, I, PR. I don't, we got to get yeah, the PR yeah, machine. Let's get going. everybody excited. Jesus is coming out, you know, whatever. And it's like he chose a smaller city. Humble. And he said to Mary, my, my hour has not come. And he really kind of did this miracle in secret with the servants. Yes. He didn't want it to be this big thing. And I just thought, you know, I was just looking at that today and just thought, wow, the humility of Jesus and and just the intention and the way that he did his ministry. Hey, like I, he want knew. Some, I want some secret miracles. How about right? You? Yeah, I want a secret miracle. Yeah. Let's have a secret miracle at home <laughs> yeah. and have a secret miracle in you know in the prayer meetings. I agree. Yeah. That's good. Like the master of the feast didn't even know where the wine came from. That's great. Yeah. So there's there's really a tenderness here. Yeah. A poor family ran out of wine, mm-hmm. embarrassment, and Jesus behind the scenes, mm-hmm. in his humble manner, he performs a, a great miracle and gave of transformation. Joy. That's that's amazing, yeah. but he he does the best last. Yep, kept the good. You know, heaven is going to be a wonderful place when we enter the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is going to be a place yes. so wonderful. The kingdom that the the age to come, and that's that's why we have to continue to be faithful uh, to the Lord. And so, uh, well, let's move on through this. We have just a little bit more here. Uh, verse twelve says. Or verse 11 says, this was the beginning of signs that Jesus did in Cana of Galilee. Now, notice this. This was, this was what, what was this? This was the, the beginning, beginning. Okay, of signs. So there's, there's stories, uh, you know, 100, 200 years after Jesus' death, there was some writings that came mm-hmm. out and some things that said, talked about the, the miracles Jesus did in boyhood and that he made a little bird out of mud and all of this and that. Well, all of that's wrong because the Word of God says this was the first miracle. This started his ministry right here. Mm-hmm. This miracle right here, the beginning of the miracles in Cana of Galilee. What did he do? He manifested his glory. Now, that's why he came. Right. If you if you look at the first chapter over here, you know it talks about how the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have beheld his glory. And throughout this book, as we go through this book, what we're going to see is His glory. Mm-hmm. We're seeing His glory being manifested here, and it says the disciples believed in Him. And it says after this, they go to Capernaum. We were in Capernaum, mm-hmm. and Capernaum actually, you know, when Jesus is kicked out of Nazareth, He relocates, and, and Capernaum becomes His headquarters. So He goes there, but they only stay there for a little while, not only, just a few days, and, and not many days. And the reason is they're going to Passover. Mm-hmm. And they're traveling to Passover. And so, Mackenzie, would you read, let me look at this here. 
Yeah, read, read on down. Uh, read down to verse 17. Start with verse 13. Okay. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen, with the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold doves, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house has eaten me up. Okay, what we have here, now the Passover of the Jews. Now at one time, this had been called the Lord's Passover. In Exodus 12, 11, 27, Leviticus 23, 5, Numbers 28, 16, the Lord's Passover. But notice how Judaism had degenerated. The religion of the Jews had degenerated. Notice what it says here. Subtly it says, the Passover of the Jews. Hmm. It was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. We know that it was his custom. Now, what was Jesus' custom every Sabbath? Now, the Sabbath was their day of worship under Jewish law. We worship on Sunday because that's the day of resurrection. But is there a scripture that you remember that talks about a habit Jesus had? You remember? Remember where it says that as was his custom? Jesus had a habit of worship. He had a habit, a custom of going to the synagogue. But what would they do in the synagogue? They would... They would, re- they would read the Word of God. They would read Torah. And uh, so let me, let me look here. Um, I don't know if it's in this one. I may not be able to, to find it. Uh, okay, here it is. This is, this is uh, Luke 4, verse 16. And he came to Nazareth where he was brought up. And as, and as his custom was... He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day mm-hmm. and stood up to read. This was his habit. This was his custom. Mm-hmm. Jesus, on the day when they worshiped, he gathered he and he was there. And on this day, on that day, actually, he's going to be the one reading the scripture. Don't, don't you know Jesus was a great reader? Mm-hmm. You know, there's some of these people that are, that are professional readers. And they're, yeah. just, they're just, to me, they're amazing how... They can read, and how the inflection and their voices are so, so rich with resonance. And I can just imagine Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Man, reading on that day. But my point is, as was his custom. Yeah. So not only did now notice, not only was Jesus custom. He said, "I want to be like Jesus." Okay. Go to church. Go to church. <laughs> not only that, but notice. When he was a boy of 12, mm-hmm. we find his family going to Passover. They, every year they would go to Passover, it seems. And so this is, this is one of those times. Now, this is, now Jesus is about 30, and uh, here it says in Passover's hand, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. He went to worship God. Mm-hmm. He went to worship Elohim. He went to worship mm-hmm. his father. Yeah. And, and then it says when he gets there, He's, he's going to worship. You know, he's going to worship. He's going to, to obey the commands of, of Torah in going to Jerusalem. And he says, And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. 
Mm-hmm. It's about to go down right here. <laughs> Jesus is about to get serious in the house of God. You know why? Because this is his house. Mm-hmm. What he's about to do is a, is a messianic act. He's going to offer himself. He's going to reveal himself as the, the Messiah. And it says here they were, they were here. Now, Josephus says that during these Passovers, there, were, there would be approximately 256,500 animals sacrificed. Oh. Now, just think what I just said. 256,500 animals could be offered up and sacrificed during a Passover. So here they have, man, can you imagine the money these guys are making? Because the priest and the Sadducees and all these folks have set up this kind of system here and, and using worship to do it so so one of the things okay well hey all these people well what if you come from dan or what if you come from nazareth or what if you come from capernaum or bethsaida you can't drag a bunch of animals all the way so hey we'll just buy it at the temple Mm -hmm. so and then and then you come and and you know out in these places where sometimes they use Roman coinage, mm-hmm. so they come into the temple of the Lord, and they say, well, you know, I didn't bring my lamb with me to offer. I've sinned, and I want to offer. I want to get forgiveness. And so, oh, well, and they put the money. To, oh, no, 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 that, can't that, that. You can't, that has Caesar's name on, or image on that. Oh, no, no, we only, we only take this temple coins, and so you have to change that over there at the money changers. Mm-hmm. Oh, but the problem is there's an upcharge. It's like the payday loans mm. where there's 300%, you know, Ripping they go over off. there. and ch- So they're just, they're just absolutely robbing from the people. Yeah. Yeah. And these religious leaders had enriched themselves mm-hmm. with this. And I'm sure they were saying, oh, you know, the Lord's blessing us, <laughs> you know. And so notice this, Jesus becomes upset because this was done in the court of the Gentiles. And there was mm-hmm. different court, court of the Gentiles, court of the women, court of the priests, etc. The Gentiles, God always had a heart for the Gentiles. Yes. You read Isaiah. Isaiah is the gospel prophet of the Old Testament, that the Gentiles are going to stream into him. Mm. And here was to be a place of prayer. My house is to be a house of that, that place would be called a house of prayer. Now, notice mm-hmm. this. That wasn't in the proper, that wasn't, you know, there was different court, there was walls and there was different courts. But even that court was to be a place of prayer. Yeah. Now, now we're going to dedicate a building to the Lord, and every part of it needs to be dedicated to God. Amen. You know, we may put a basketball court with some concrete and some that needs to be dedicated to the Lord. We don't mm-hmm. need a bunch of folks cursing out there and and acting crazy. That's on the Lord's property. Yeah. Every part of it, whether we're having coffee in our coffee bar, you know, we need to know that it is a place dedicated mm-hmm. to the Lord, and it needs to be holy unto Him, yeah. and. You look at this here, and it says in verse 15. Kenzie, read verse 15 again. It says, When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. I mean, it's going down here. I mean, listen, he he was watching these guys. Mm -hmm. Now, Now, notice this. I don't know that we don't misinterpret a verse. I want you all to listen. Do you remember the lady that came with the little the, the two mites, and mm-hmm. she gave all that she had? Mm-hmm. You know we've we've looked at that, 
And we've said, oh, you know, we need to be like the widow. We need to be like the widow who gave all her two mites. I just don't know that that's how that should be interpreted. I think it may be interpreted that these religious leaders had set up a business that was so corrupt that it would cause a widow to have to give her last two mites that mm. she had in the world mm, wow. to be a part of their religious system. Why weren't they giving her money and supporting mm. her? Because pure religion, undefiled, is to take mm -hmm. care of widows and orphans. Yeah. So I think we may have that verse interpreted incorrectly. We're saying, let's be, let's be like the widow. I'm saying... What kind of religious system would yeah, let's pillage? Let's take care of the widow. <laughs> yeah. What kind of religious system would pillage? Yeah. A lady with her last two coins. Mm -hmm. I think that may be. You, know, you study that out. That may be the more of the message there than the other one. I've never heard it that way, really, but I've heard it the other way. Mm -hmm. So uh, Jesus is watching this, and Jesus, as the God Man, he becomes upset. Mm -hmm. Now, we have, we have different views of God and their faults. Some people have a view of God that's like a, a, an Eastern guru. <laughs> Some people have a view of God as a, as a revolutionary person, you know. Uh, some people have a view of God like a Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. He just kind of just what everybody wants. But I tell you, this, this is a picture of God in his anger towards sin. And here's Jesus cleansing his temple. Mm -hmm. And he turns, I mean, we read this, but what, what, what if I flip this table over right now? You would think I had lost my mind. What if I just flip this table over right now? Everybody would say, Pastor needs a psychiatrist. But here's Jesus. He gets a court, he gets a whip and starts whipping these guys. I mean, he's driving these guys out of the temple. Can, can you imagine? And, and look, he drove them out. He's flipping over the tables of money. Take And then notice what he says. Now, this doesn't give us the right to do this, but um, this is Jesus <laughs> as God doing this. And, and he said to those who sold doves, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Mm -hmm. That is just astounding. To me, I mean, that makes me fearful. Mm -hmm. That makes me fearful. He cares deeply about the purity of the place of worship. I know. Preach it, sister. We better be careful not to mm -hmm. turn God's house into merchandise. Mm -hmm. You know, I've seen these guys, you know, hey, for 1995, I have this water that came out of the Jordan River, and, and I've blessed it. And if you buy this for 1995, I tell you what, I know you're going to get healed. I knew one guy one time, I didn't hear him, but I heard that he said it, and that came from a reliable source. This preacher said, uh, he said, I tell you what, he was, and, and, and people bought into this. He said on his little television program, he said, I'm going to tell you, he said, this shirt right here, he said, I preached in this shirt. I preached under the anointing in this shirt. And he said, I tell you what I'm going to do. If you'll send me a $300 offering, I'm going to send you this shirt that I preached under the anointing. And it's got the anointing on it, and I'm going to send it to you, and you're going to get a special blessing. And people sent money in for that stuff. Mm -hmm. I believe that Jesus is upset yeah. when ministers have so little integrity and they're so corrupt yeah. to get a buck. Sure. Yeah. Notice he says, don't make my father's house the house of merchandise. I pray with all of my heart that our church is pure. 
Yes. That we're about helping the widows and not hurting them, that we want to help the orphans, that we want to help those that are in need, and that our worship is pure, mm-hmm. and, and his house will be a house of prayer, a house of preaching, mm-hmm. a house of purity, a house of power, a house of grace, a house of fellowship. Yes. And then he says here, they remembered, they remembered, his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house has eaten me up. Now, I do have a comment on this. In this, it says that that word said, my, my devotion to your house is best translated uh, in some languages, my love for your house. Mm-hmm. In, in other ways, it's expressed, my hunger for the house, for your house, has grabbed me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it says, uh, the last one, uh, will eat me up or will cause my death. Mm-hmm. And, and so Jesus was consumed with a love for God's house. Mm-hmm. And so let's move on here. Let, we're going we're gonna to land this. And uh, verse 18, the Jews answered him and said, what sign do you show us since you do not, since you do these things? So basically, this was a messianic act that he's doing. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, okay, if you're the son of God, if you're, if you're, if you're uh, you know, who you're claiming to be, what sign do you do? Well, Jesus wasn't going to entertain them. Verse 19, he says, he answered, and he said, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. So the Jews said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, the disciples remembered that he had said this to them. Hmm. And they believed the scriptures and the word which Jesus spoken. So... Jesus was speaking spiritually of his mm-hmm. body, that he was going to die on the cross, going to be buried in the grave, and he would be raised on the third day. That was, that was the temple that he was going to raise up. And, and notice here, this temple that the Jews had, Herod had been building uh, 46 years on this thing, and about, and about four or five years after it was completed. I mean, it wasn't completed until... Uh, just a few years before the Jewish war starts. So by the time they got it completed, the, the Romans came in and tore the whole thing down. Mm-hmm. And, and so, uh, yeah. Look at verse 23 and 4, 5. We'll conclude. When, and when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, now he, well, when he was in, the, in Jerusalem at the Passover, during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men. And he had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. He knows what's in everyone's heart. He knows if the faith we profess is genuine faith. So in other words, it says they believed in him, but really their faith wasn't in his person. They believed in his miracles. Right. You know, they kind of believed on him like, you know, Elijah, this guy does miracles. Mm-hmm. We believe in these miracles. These are real miracles. But Jesus, it, through this book of John, is going to reveal his person. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things that you remember, one of, the, one of the themes of this book is that Jesus brings us to a decision. Mm-hmm. His, his life brings us to a decision. And it says here that they, they believed in him, but he didn't believe in them because he knew what was in them. He knew all men. You know, where's that scripture that says, 
Lord, Lord, didn't we, you know, perform miracles in your name? And he said, I never knew you. Never knew you. Yeah. So yeah. just because you believe in the miracle doesn't mean yeah. you know the miracle worker. Right. We need to know the Lord. We need to know amen. the Lord. Amen. Well, amen. amen. That's a rich chapter. So we've, yeah. lo- we've looked at Jesus, the Son of God, chapter 1, and Jesus, the Son of Man, in chapter 2. And Jesus, as, as we conclude in prayer, uh, as we conclude in prayer this evening, what I want us to th- go away with and think about is the fact that Jesus did a very uh, a miracle in a very tender way. He met a need that they had, and He will meet our needs. He is a mm-hmm. gracious Savior. He will meet our needs. If if we run into a problem, brothers and sisters, let's run to Him. Yes. Let's run to Him. Let's let's mm-hmm. not try to tackle our problems. Mary had the wisest counsel that anyone could ever have. Whatever He says to you, do it. And what he says to do is the best and wisest plan for for each of our lives. Amen. Jason, would you close us in prayer this evening? Father, we thank you for this time that we've had together. And Lord, I just pray that your word would just take root deep into our hearts, Lord. I pray that as we take tonight and get some rest and go to sleep, Lord, that your word, we would just meditate on it. As we fall uh, fall away to sleep, Father, I just pray that it just takes deep root within us, Father, and that the the revealing of your word would just really be something that grows within our hearts and our minds, Father. I pray that we would uh, be diligent to be obedient, Lord, just like when Jesus uh, told the servants, fill those water jars, Lord. They didn't fill them halfway. They filled them to the brim. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lord, let us be obedient to the fullest. When, we, when you ask us to do things, Father, even, even when you ask us to do things, Lord, let us just know uh, what, you, what you mean by w- when you ask us to do something, Lord. Let us do it with everything that's in us, not half-hearted, Amen. not halfway, but let us be all in uh, for you, Lord, to give you glory and to see your glory manifested, Lord. So bless us tonight, Father. Bless our, our pastor for taking his time to do these services with us online. Uh, Father, let it just be an enriching of our souls and enriching of our spirits, Lord, as we dive into your word, Lord. So bless us tonight and give us all just sweet, sweet sleep tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us this evening. We will be next week. We will be in uh, the third chapter. We're going we're gonna to find the divine teacher next week. Amazing. Chapter three is amazing. Mm. And he's going to have a meeting with Nicodemus, and we're going we're gonna to get in on that meeting. Hope to see you and your family Sunday morning. Our, our, our little boys and girls are going to start off our service Sunday with a, with a memory verse. Oh, cool. and, uh, and then we're going to pray for them and send them on their way. It won't take long, but we're looking forward to having them. Our boys and girls are so very important, and our children's church workers are working very hard to teach your children about the Lord, which is vital. But uh, we appreciate you, so we... we, we Pray God bless you as you go tonight. We'll see you Sunday.